Hello, everyone. It's Andrew, your host at the Wellness Campfire live version of uh, School of Wellness. I am going to play you guys a few excerpts from an audiobook I've been listening to called uh, The Wim Hof Method. So I'll try to get this queued up. Um, first, we're going to listen to um, a part about cold showers. And then we're going to listen to um, his breathing technique. Uh, so, without further ado, he's going to explain this probably a lot better than I could. So, um, I'm going to play this during my walk. So, if you hear a little noise, I apologize. <laughs> Hopefully this records well enough for you to enjoy it later, now or later. Okay, starting with chapter three, a cold shower a day keeps the doctor away. Let me just get the volume down a little bit on the media. I know that um, a high media volume doesn't always come out too good, so I'm going to start low so as to not blow your guys' ears off. <laughs> yeah, enjoy. <clears throat> Chapter 3. A cold shower a day keeps the doctor away. There is so much more to life than meets the eye, if you choose to seek it. The seeker becomes the finder, the finder of so much more than we thought was possible. Most of us are raised to follow a familiar, predictable path. You go to school, choose a career, and then, if you are lucky, you earn a sabbatical, maybe a raise. This experience defines us, but it is not us. There is much, much, much more to our existence than that, to who we are in our depth, our soul. And in accessing that soul, we find out that our minds and bodies are capable of so much more. We are beings of light who by birthright own our own minds and souls. This is the time to wake up to the true power we each possess within us. By consciously connecting with the reptilian brain previously believed to be inaccessible, we have arrived at a new frontier. That of the brain over body consciousness, that consciousness allows you to truly trust your judgment based on intuition and instinct. I arrived at these insights by going into the cold water by reconditioning my mind and body to reject the primordial, prehistoric feeling that the cold is our enemy and that we have to make fire and sit in the cave to combat it. We have nothing to combat but our own conditioning and fear. My American friend Chris Ryan wrote a book entitled Civilized to Death on these deeper feelings about how we have become so civilized, so ensconced in our comfort zones that it has gotten the better of us. He argues that we don't live in nature anymore, but in opposition to it. And what, in the end, are we really opposing? The cold and its adverse power are not our enemy. The cold knows how to trigger our vascular system, which, if laid out end-to-end, -end, would stretch nearly two and a half times the length of the world. Cardiovascular-related diseases are the number one killer in our society today, but it doesn't have to be that way. There are approximately 62,000 miles of veins, arteries, and capillaries in each and every one of us. 
The vascular system is constructed after millions of years of evolution, with millions of little muscles that contract and open the veins and the vascular channels in reaction to the weather. Regardless of if it is warm or hot, our core body temperature has to remain 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. If your core temperature dips only 2 or 3 degrees below that, you go into hypothermia, a hypothermic state. If it dips 3 degrees or more than that, it's irreversible. Your core body temperature spirals down and your body is no longer able to heat up. So we have this vascular system that opens and closes to protect ourselves from the cold and heat to remain within the range of normal body temperatures. It's a very delicate system. But what did we do? We got into clothes and we love these clothes so much. These dresses and suits and nice ties. They're wonderful. We've got Gucci, Versace, Vanderbilt, all these fashions that everybody loves. But the clothes actually destimulate our vascular system, the intricate system that delivers blood throughout our bodies. And when the elements are working on our vascular system, it opens and closes, it expands and contracts, and in doing so, the muscular tone of the vascular system is exercised. But wearing clothes, being dressed up all the time, is destimulating. These little muscles do not work. And do you know who's paying for that? Our heart is. When these little vascular muscles are not tuned up, not working at an optimized condition, our heart is forced to pump much more, deeper and stronger, to get the blood flow through. This puts undue stress on our heart on a chronic basis. That's one of the primary reasons, together with diet and exercise, why cardiovascular-related diseases are the number one killer in our society. How do we tackle this killer? It's very simple. A cold shower a day keeps the doctor away. The medical system is increasingly driven more by pharmaceutical solutions than by healing. And few would recommend this method, but it's right there. It's simple, and it works, and it doesn't cost a thing. Our vascular system needs to be stimulated to achieve the desired muscular tone. It doesn't need training, only awakening. Then, once it's awakened and optimized, let's say in 10 days, a whole sequence of magic begins to occur within the body. Anybody who has ever stepped into an unheated swimming pool or endured an ice bucket challenge knows that the immediate impact of cold water on our bodies can be uncomfortable, if not downright painful. It is therefore understandable why some might be reluctant to willingly submit to that discomfort. It's unpleasant, but just as your body adjusts in time to the water in the swimming pool, so does it adjust with repeated exposure to the water in the cold shower. Initially, the cold water will precipitate a cold shock response or gas reflex, which is a completely natural reaction. This may lead to some hyperventilation, yet this involuntary physiological response subsides over time as the body relaxes and begins to adjust to its new environment. The more often you take cold showers and the more accustomed you get to that initial shock, the more you begin to crave that sensation. I began intuitively when I was 17 years old to venture into the cold water. I understand now that this intuition stemmed from the trauma of my birth, but that's my personal story. It doesn't matter how you get to it as long as you do. And if you get there from my suggestion, then all the better. I have dedicated my life to this because I experienced the benefits firsthand. Back then I had a feeling and I could not find an explanation for it in the books I was reading. Couldn't find it. So I went into nature, and I found answers that weren't in books. And because nature belongs to all of us, I feel compelled to share what I have learned. It's not mine. It's ours. I just simplified it. We are able as a society to confront cardiovascular-related diseases if we can learn collectively how to achieve vascular fitness. When you take a cold shower, all of those little muscles in your vascular system Millions of them are activated and exercised. Within 10 days of taking these showers, you will notice that your heart rate has decreased significantly, as much as 15 to 30 beats per minute, and that it remains that way 24 hours a day. That translates to a lot less stress. It's important to understand that your heart rate increases whenever your body experiences stress. That sends a primordial signal to the body to activate adrenaline and cortisol, 
which sets off a series of biochemical processes that exhaust your adrenal access, your energy, because you're in poor vascular condition. Your heart needs to pump more and work harder. At the same time, while your energy is depleted, you've got your boss telling you to do this or that, your spouse is making their own demands, and your children are doing what children do, all of which increase your stress levels. Traffic on the roadways or mass transit delays don't help either. It all adds up, and the result is that your heart has to pump even more without any way to cool down, to have a rest, because your vascular system is compromised. Now, if you go and exercise your vascular system, I call it vascular fitness nowadays, you can effectively counteract this stress. Once you have trained yourself with exposure to cold, you can do a snoga, which is, like it sounds, yoga in the snow. You can go and do exercises outdoors in the cold while bare-chested and barefoot, just in shorts. Within 15 minutes, you won't feel the cold, which is an indication that your vascular system has adapted. That's innate. It has always been there. But by constantly seeking comfort, we have become strangers to our natural, optimized vascular condition. This is unfortunate because it's our vascular system that delivers blood to the cells and with it all the nutrients, oxygen, and vitamins our bodies need to thrive. And if your vascular system is exercised and adapted, your heart rate will decrease in turn. It's the antidote to stress. And it all starts with cold showers. Cold showers are the gateway to flow and energy and peace. I'm not exaggerating. It's the entry point from which you will learn the power of the mind over the body. If you do just 10 days of cold showers after warm showers, meaning that you end your regular warm showers with a minute or so of cold water, then you will be able to command your vascular system to close up when you get into the cold. It's amazing what your body can do at will, and all it takes is 10 days of these showers to regain your optimal vascular tone and achieve this control. As your vascular system awakens and its muscles begin to tone up, it forges a connection with your brain with your will. Wim Hof Method Protocol, Cold Exposure for Beginners. Going into the ice water can be quite shocking, so you'd better learn to prepare your body if you want to try it. But how do you do that? We wear clothes all the time, which destimulates our bodies, leaving our vascular systems in poor condition. So what can we do to reduce the impact of the shock and instead allow the ice water to optimize our cardiovascular system? Most of us who live in the West take showers every day, and most of these are warm or hot showers because we don't like the cold. But if you end your warm or hot shower with just 30 seconds of cold water, just 30 seconds, you will begin to see results. Anybody is able to endure 30 seconds of cold water, especially after spending several minutes under the warm or hot water collecting heat. The warm water opens up your veins, aiding your blood flow. So while the cold water might cause you some discomfort at first, 30 seconds is no great hardship. What happens inside your body when you shift the temperature from warm to cold is that all these little muscles in your vascular system begin to awaken. They close up and then open, close up and open. And this repetitive process establishes the vascular muscle tone that with repeated exposure develops into its optimal condition. Start slowly at the beginning with just 15 seconds at the end of your shower every day. In a week, you will be able to endure 30 seconds or more. This is because the tone of your vascular muscles is improving, developing. Your core body temperature remains just fine. And the result is that you experience better blood flow throughout the day, which gives you a lot more energy. Once you are able to go longer than 30 seconds, you begin to develop an ability to consciously resist the shock of the cold water. You suppress the shiver response, the gasp. Suddenly, water's not cold anymore. Instead, it's a force. And you, standing there, are a counterforce. You're in control. You're awakening to the physiological power and the neural activity of your own body. Amazing. Here's what this practice would look like over a four-week period. Week one, 30 seconds of cold water at the end of a warm shower. Week two, one minute of cold water at the end of a warm shower. 
Week three, one minute and a half of cold water at the end of a warm shower. Week four, two minutes of cold water at the end of a warm shower. Do this gradually and work your way up at least five days a week. Follow the feeling. Don't force anything. It's also fine to start with 15 seconds and build up more slowly as we do in our 20-day cold shower challenge. Some benefits of cold exposure begin at 60 degrees Fahrenheit, so most tap water is cold enough to make a difference. As your vascular muscle tone develops, it will absorb more and more of the shock until it's hardly a shock at all. Your vascular system constricts on demand to protect your vital parts. And what you will see is that your heart rate goes down during the day, reducing your stress level, you feel more energized, the improved blood flow delivers better nutrition to your cells. You find that you don't get sick anymore because your body is no longer vulnerable. Instead, you feel strong. By the end of the fourth week, your vascular tone will be optimized to the point that it will be mind over matter. You turn the knob to cold and will your body not to react to shock. This is only the beginning of the power of the mind opening up to you. If you are able to command the vascular system, which is everywhere within your body, you are able to go at will to any part and control it consciously. You're the boss. And it all starts with 30 seconds of cold water. When prehistoric humans ventured forth out of their caves and into the wild, they had to be strong. They needed the vascular system to close up and protect the core body temperature, which was necessary not only to function, but to survive. Otherwise, they would risk hypothermia and death. So a prehistoric man knew when he went out to hunt that his body would respond accordingly and automatically. By closing up, his extremities and the rest of his body would be able to brave the elements without endangering his core body temperature, which would remain the same, protecting the function of its vital organs, the liver, heart, lungs, and brain. The rest of the body can get quite cold, but if the vascular tone is not right, the body doesn't respond. Then, when we get out into the cold, the vascular system doesn't close well, and we get sick. And that's the thing. Worrying parents have forever implored their children to bundle up with heavy coats, hats, and scarves to avoid catching cold. But the truth is that it's having a weaker vascular system that has, in turn, made us and our children weak and susceptible to illness. If we take cold showers, though, we can regain the lost, optimized condition of our vascular tone and, in turn, become strong. We will become able to act naturally within heat and cold and withstand all the elements of nature without significantly impacting our core body temperature. And it's amazing what kinds of health benefits stem from there. Not only is it good for our vascular system, which again is the transportation system for all of the vitamins, oxygen, and nutrients our cells need, it also relieves the cells of biological stress. With that comes peace, deep peace. When we get our vascular muscles into the proper tone, our blood flow, our life force, is able to communicate so much to our brain about peace and about life because without blood, we are like nothing. And it's all there in the cold. By exercising and toning these muscles, we can go out into the cold with the appropriate attitude. We can see the cold not as an adversarial, malignant, or negative power, but instead as a mirror that reflects whether or not our body is responding in the right way, the way nature intended. We've lost that ability. But all it takes to reclaim it is to take a cold shower every day. The result of your investment, the sacrifice of your comfort within the shower is extraordinary. Yes, it's going to give you a lot more energy. Yes, your heart rate will go down. Yes, it's going to bring all the oxygen and necessary chemistry to your cells. I know I said all this before, but take it as your mantra. After 43 years of training, I am still reminding myself how good this is, how well it works. You're also going to have a better life because with that energy comes electricity and your whole body will feel it. It's amazing. 
You will learn how to command and connect with your body much better because the right chemistry is the conductor of our mind, of the neurology of our brain. The cold is merciless, but righteous. It will show you the way. After 10 days of cold showers, you're going to become addicted to it because it feels so good afterward. And you will have that sense of control when you turn the dial. The deeper parts of your physiology suddenly open up, which they have to do because the water really is freezing and it impacts your body powerfully. But then the deeper parts of your physiology begin to work and meet each other in peace. The cold only shows us whether or not our inner power is present and within our control because we do it consciously. Gradually, more and more, you feel into the cold and it becomes a teacher. Cold is a stressor. So if you are able to get into the cold and control your body's responses to it, you will be able to control stress. Stress comes in many forms, but in the end, you experience it on a biological cellular level. You can learn to control it by going gradually into the cold and following your feelings. Within 10 days, you will see that you are very able to control the stress of the cold. You have to take a shower anyway, right? So it's very simple. Just end up cold. A minute or two tops. And then, if you wish, after the 10 days, once your body has reconditioned itself, you can increase the exposure. The control you gain won't be limited to your body's response to the cold, though. It can be applied to stress in any form, be it heat, emotion, work, frustration with the traffic, relationships, whatever. Because the cold is merciless but righteous, we can learn from it. And what it shows us is that we have the innate capacity to deal with stress. It's been lost, yes, but you can regain it within 10 days. 10 days, this power is knocking at your door, and it's your choice whether or not to answer. What do you want? Do you want to learn to deal with stress, or do you want to continue suffering? This method is very simple, very accessible, and endorsed by science. Many thousands of people have benefited from it. Anybody can do it, and there is no dogma, only acceptance, only freedom. After you take a cold shower, you'll not only feel like you have more energy, but you will also feel more at rest. Because the brain and heart are connected neurologically, your decreased heart rate affects your mood, lessening your anxiety. In peace and at rest, your body begins to cool down, and blood slowly flows deeper into it. If that blood reaches the limbic system, it is possible to achieve a level of deep meditation that only seasoned mindfulness practitioners of many years have been known to realize. In my experience, one minute of cold shower every day can deliver you to that same realm. That is power of the mind opening up, of learning how to control the blood flow into deeper parts of the brain. Those parts of modern man's brain receive less blood flow than those of our prehistoric ancestors. And while those deeper parts survive, they don't flourish. We can feel it, and it doesn't affect our consciousness. We have to sit still and meditate for hours to get the blood flowing into those deeper realms. Or conversely, we can take a cold shower. A cold shower a day, that's the one. That's the ticket to this ride. In February 2018, I participated in a very interesting study conducted by Wayne State University's School of Medicine in Detroit, Michigan. Professors Otto Music and Vibhav Devadkar conducted brain scans while exposing 74 subjects to ice-cold water over the course of three days. Each of the subjects wore a perfusion vest through which cold water was pumped continuously. The idea was to monitor brain activity and measure differences in the subject's skin temperature relative to each exposure. Not surprisingly, the skin temperature of the other 73 subjects decreased every time the cold water was pumped in. Logical, no? But it is only logical if we accept it as so. If we believe we are limited in our potential. That is the paradigm. I call it the disconnection because we do not know the power of our minds. The Wim Hof way to get warm. Are you one of those people who feels cold all the time? 
Would you like to be able to warm your body even when you don't have access to an external heat source? If so, the following exercise can be done to activate brown fat tissue or brown adipose tissue, BAT, which is capable of energy combustion and your intercostal muscles. The intercostal muscles are several groups of muscles that run between the ribs and help the chest wall during respiration. Activating them also generates heat. Do as follows. Number one, sit down. Two, inhale slowly and deeply five or six times, letting your breath go naturally each time. Three, inhale fully. Four, relax to exhale. Five, inhale fully. Six, hold your breath no more than five seconds. Seven, tense your upper back muscles and chest while you hold your breath, but don't tense the head. Keep your jaw relaxed. Eight, let go. With practice, you will feel the heat flowing from your neck to your whole body. Everybody is different, but with practice, you will feel the heat coming from inside your body. This is what I did to maintain my core body temperature during the experiments at Wayne State. But please, do not try such experiments at home. By employing a deep breathing technique that has effectively activated my intercostal muscles, those located between the ribs, I was able to generate enough heat on the first day to maintain my core body temperature. We'll get to intentional breathing in the next chapter, but when it was my turn to don the vest on the third day, I was instructed to participate passively, no muscle contractions or deep breathing, though I had done my breathing exercises in the morning as I do every morning. But those things can mess up the imaging in the scan and requires that the entire experiment be redone. All I could use in this situation was my mind. And when I did nothing with my mind, my skin temperature dropped like everyone else's. I wasn't sure exactly what to do. I had always followed my intuition and my instincts and learned in nature what to do and did it. But in nature, you don't think too much about what you're doing. You just do it. It's instinctive. So that morning, I was sitting in my hotel room, looking out my window over Detroit and thinking, how do I show it? How do I show a complete difference from those other 73 people? None of them had been able to influence the temperature of their skin during cold water exposure by using their mind, demonstrating top-down control of their autonomic functions. So I asked myself, what did you do on Mount Everest? What did you do in the icy waters beyond the polar circle? What did you do always in the cold? You trusted yourself. You believed in your heart that you could do it. And with that state of mind, you went into those challenges with confidence and succeeded. Why shouldn't I be able to do that today? I saw that it's all a state of mind and that confidence is a form of trust. It's like a bet you place on yourself. You tell your body what to do and your body echoes back and says, yes, mind and body are in sync. After all these years, this was quite an epiphany. In the morning, I did my breathing exercises. Later, when I put on the vest, my skin temperature did not decrease with exposure. It was like I was impervious to it. I had increased my skin temperature by one degree because I programmed it with my mind. I didn't move, breathe deeply, or contract my muscles. I didn't do anything except focus my mind and let go. It's something with practice and commitment anybody can do. Just sit with yourself, exclude the world and its worries, and have a clear picture in your mind of the goal you intend to accomplish. Let whatever images and thoughts pass freely and then fall away whilst you are reaching your depth. It is alignment without words, but instead with your feelings. There is a strong moment of recognition, as real confidence is not a thought, but a feeling from the depth. The method is based on the principle that the power of the mind works in connection with the body to impact human capability in a profound way. 
it's important to understand that programming in and of itself is something we are each already doing on a daily basis, yet unconsciously. We realize the power of these assumptions when we go into the ice. This helps train the muscle of belief, belief in what we are capable of, which allows us to have confidence in our hearts. By the time the experiment was completed, I didn't care much about the outcome anymore. But when the professors analyzed the data, they were astonished. They had never seen anything like it before. I had successfully raised my skin temperature by one degree and maintained it while being exposed to repeated cycles of cold and warm water. My temperature never changed. That's the power of the mind when it has been awakened by the cold and the breath. With depression approaching epidemic proportions in the world, new non-pharmaceutical solutions are needed. Brain scans from the Wayne State study demonstrated that I was able to activate parts of my brain at will that had been thought to be inaccessible to humans. This offers a new perspective on how we might be able to deal with the psychosis, fear, anxiety, depression, or bipolar disorder independent of drugs. In nature, it is not only the physically weak, but the mentally weak that get eaten. Now we have created this modern society in which we have every comfort, yet we are losing our ability to regulate our mood, our emotions. In the February 2018 issue of Neuroimages, professors Music and Vivodker wrote, we found compelling evidence of the key components of the autonomous processes of the brain related to mood regulation. In plain speak, that's emotion. Now we found the way to tap into that area and learn to regulate our mood, to regulate our emotional state, whatever you want to call it. It turns out that we are innately capable of dealing with emotion on a conscious level. We are free. It is important to recognize the gravity of this discovery. It's reminiscent of the fable about the wise men coming together and asking, what do we do about the soul since people have made such a mess of it? Put it on the highest of mountains, one man says. But the people crawl up the mountains like ants, find the soul, and make it a trophy. So the wise men decree, put it at the bottom of the deepest seas. But the people build underwater vessels and live down under. They find the thing and they bring it to the surface and put it in a museum. So the wise men say, put it on the farthest planet. But the people build spacecrafts and venture off and find it. They bring it back and make warfare over it. The wise men are confounded because none of them knows where to put the soul. Okay, I think I'm gonna and then to one the man breathing. stands up and says, I've got it. Exercise. Put it in the people themselves since they will never look there. Uh, That's exactly the where it is. Um, the soul resides it? within us. It is within Ooh, our reach if we know stuff. where to look for it. Um, and now we found a shortcut into the deepest parts of our brain, which is the seat of the uh, mind, the soul. It's amazing. And it makes yeah. you feel amazing because we are amazing beings, but we have to live up to it. We need to use this power for good. Eradicating cardiovascular disease and positively affecting mental health care outcomes are undeniably applications of the technique that can benefit the greater good. Wim Hof Method Protocol, basic breathing exercise. Before engaging with this technique, remember to be mindful. Listen to your body and learn from the signals your body and mind send you while you are doing the exercises. Use those signals as personal feedback about the effect of the exercises on your body and mind and adjust them as needed to find what works best for you. This protocol is broken out into five steps. Step one, sit in a meditation posture, lying down, or whichever way is most comfortable for you in a quiet and safe environment. Make sure you can expand your lungs freely without any constriction. Step two, close your eyes and try to clear your mind. Be conscious about your breath and try to fully connect with it. Take 30 to 40 deep breaths in through the nose or mouth. Fill up your belly, your chest, all the way up to your head. Don't force the exhale. Just relax and let the air out. Fully in, letting go. Step three, 
At the end of the last breath, draw the breath in once more and fill the lungs to maximum capacity without using any force. Then relax to let the air out. Hold the breath until you feel the urge to breathe again. This is called the retention phase. Step four. When you feel the urge to breathe, take one deep breath in and hold it for 10 to 15 seconds. This is called the recovery breath. Step five. Let your breath go and start with a new round. Fully in, letting go. Repeat the full cycle three to four times. After having completed this breathing exercise, take your time to enjoy the feeling. With repeated practice, this protocol becomes more and more like a meditation. Once you have a little experience with the basic breathing exercise, try this additional technique. In round two, step four, try squeezing the breath to your head when you take your recovery breath. You do this by tensing your pelvic floor and directing that sense of tension to the core of your body and up to your head while keeping the rest of your body relaxed. You should feel a sense of pressure in your head, then relax everything when you exhale. But that's not all this breathing method can do. In January 2014, I led a group of 26 people trained in the method up Tanzania's Mount Kilimanjaro with the goal of reaching the summit in three days. None of these people were experienced alpinists, and some of them suffered from debilitating illnesses and diseases, such as multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, and metastasized cancer. In the interest of avoiding acute mountain sickness, AMS, which can be fatal in extreme cases, most people who attempt to climb the highest mountain on the African continent do so gradually over the course of five days or more. They do this so that their bodies can acclimatize to the increasing altitude on their way to the mountain summit, which is more than 19,000 feet above sea level. To avoid AMS, it is recommended that climbers ascend no more than 1,000 feet per day. But armed with my breathing method and deeply motivated mindset, but little else, including cold weather gear, although we did take some with us as a precaution, we headed off knowing that we would reach our goal. All the physiologists, doctors, and alpine experts I consulted said that what I was trying to do was irresponsible. People were going to get sick, they said. Some might even die. But we went up anyway, doing our specific high-altitude breathing technique and reached the summit in just 44 hours. That's 28 hours less than our initial three-day goal. We defied the wisdom of the experts, and when we came back down the mountain, the critics were silent. A year later, we returned to Kilimanjaro and reached the summit in just 36 hours. And the year after that, we did it in just 28 hours. Unbelievable. In a letter to the editor of Wilderness and Environmental Medicine, Drs. Hopman and Boza, who supervised the 2014 expedition, wrote, The group appears to have broken new medical ground, utilizing a new method to largely prevent and, as needed, reverse symptoms of acute mountain sickness. In comparison with previous studies, this report may suggest that acclimatization as well as AMS symptom relief can be safely accelerated. In case of altitude headaches, headaches are the first sign of altitude sickness. A headache indicates that the brain is being deprived of oxygen. This exercise fuels your brain with oxygen again and should bring instant relief. Here are the following steps. One, slow down your pace. Two, breathe in fully and relax. Exhale 10 times. Three, stand still or sit. Make sure you are in a secure position. Four, breathe in fully, holding your breath for five seconds and try squeezing or redirecting the breath to your head. Five, let go. Six, repeat these steps until you sense that the headache has disappeared. Breathing exercise while walking at high altitude. Here are the following steps. One, consciously breathe more than you feel you need to. Two, focus on your breath. Feel yourself breathing as you move. 
Three, synchronize your breath and your pace so you can get into a cadence. Find your own rhythm without forcing it. Go back real quick. Chapter four. Chapter four. Breathe, motherfucker. The first time doctors monitored a group of people I had trained in the method, they observed as these people went minutes without breathing, without air in their lungs. The monitors showed their blood oxygen levels going down dramatically to saturation levels like 50%, which is normally where people die. But these people were thriving. Do you know why? The biochemistry had changed. And with that spiking of alkalinity, the brain's adrenal axis is activated. That resets the body past its conditioning, beyond its comfort zone, and it enables it to withstand and overcome stress. Crohn's disease, cancer, depression, arthritis, asthma, and bipolar disorder are all caused by deregulation of our immune, endocrine, and hormonal systems through uncontrolled inflammation. Now, by employing these simple breathing techniques, we are able to suppress the inflammatory markers in the blood. I challenge any doctor who remains skeptical, who believes this isn't real, to try it for themselves. We've got strong evidence and it's been published in the best scientific journals in the world. As you'll hear in the chapters to come, we changed the books. We are able to tap into the autonomic nervous system and suppress inflammation. We can regulate our mood, emotions, body temperature, and more. The breathing exercises employed through the method help clean up the biochemical residue, the undesired byproducts of a chemical reaction, in the lymphatic system, the deepest of all bodily systems. All the stressful activities we do in our work and emotional life leave behind a biochemical residue that causes and compounds inflammation in our cells. I am convinced that by changing our biochemistry from acidic to alkaline and cleansing ourselves of biochemical residue, we can eliminate the primary causes of diseases. While they can have a profound impact on your physical and emotional state, the breathing exercises themselves are actually very simple. It's just 30 or 40 deep breaths taken while lying on a sofa or bed with periods of retention. The location is important. Always do these breathing exercises in a safe environment and never in an environment in which it might be dangerous to faint like in water. These exercises have a profound effect on the body, especially for those new to the method, and should only be practiced in the way I'm about to explain, okay? When you breathe in deeply, your diaphragm moves, and that massages your intestines. That's the natural way, though most of us breathe only with our chests and never massage our intestines in that way. But the belly goes up when the diaphragm moves, when the lungs expand, and that's why we call it belly breathing. Only it's not really the belly. It's the lungs being filled up to their utmost capacity. The belly goes up because it needs to make space, and the upper parts of the lungs get filled up. The breathing protocol, which is composed of three to four rounds, takes about 20 minutes to complete. The best time to do these breathing exercises is before breakfast because when your stomach is full, all the metabolic activity and all the oxygen are directed to the stomach and block the way. This is logical because digestion is a function of the parasympathetic nervous system, and with the breathing, we are activating our sympathetic nervous system. The breathing ignites the body into an alert state, awakening the nervous system and preparing the body for performance. Eating beforehand can inhibit this physiological reaction. The technique begins, as I mentioned earlier, with 30 to 40 deep breaths. When you are new to this technique, I advise you to breathe through the nose as it will give you more control over your body and mind. With more experience, you can breathe in through your mouth or through your nose. It doesn't matter. Don't think too much about it. Just bring it in. I prefer to breathe through my mouth, but you should do whatever feels the most comfortable for you. It's about filling the belly and letting go, like a wave. A wave comes up on the beach, on the shore, and then it recedes. There is a rhythm to it, and so goes with the breathing. Breathe in fully and let it go. Here comes the wave again. Breathe in fully and letting go. Fully in, letting go. The mind follows the breath, but don't try to contain the breath in your mind. Let the mind go. The breath is greater, and it brings you further into the depths of yourself. So follow the flow.
follow the wave coming in onto the shore, and then let it go. The breath is as big as the ocean. Let it in fully, then let it go. It is the sea itself. It's where we came from, who we are. It is bigger than us because it is us. Now go consciously into the breath and let it go. Fully in, letting go. Fully in, letting go. Find your rhythm and follow it. While more or less we are the same, everyone's physiology is a little bit different. Everyone has a slightly different rhythm. That doesn't matter though. Just breathe and go with the flow. Do this 30 times or until you feel lightheaded with a tingling sensation in your arms and hands and a looseness in your body. Breathe into the sensation. Take it up 10 more times to 40 breaths now. Deeply in. Feel the breath expanding in your belly, chest, head, and then let it go. Then fully in again and letting go. 40 times. You can keep count on your fingers or in your mind. By now, you should definitely be feeling the lightheadedness, tingling, and looseness I described. Intensify those sensations by breathing into them. Don't worry, it's all okay. You are 100% safe. Carbon dioxide is exiting your body and oxygen is replacing it, making your body more alkaline in the process. You may feel a bit strange or disorienting at first, but it's great for your biochemistry. The neurological effect is like a tension charge all over the body. So just follow the breath and you will feel the charge. Now we are going to bring the consciousness in. Yes, the breath is a door. It leads to corridors that take us deep within ourselves. We begin doing this by stopping the breath while the body is alkalized. After you let the 40th breath go, stop after the exhalation. Holding your breath here will be fairly easy because your newfound alkalinity lessens the body's needs for oxygen. You may be surprised to learn that you can easily hold your breath and go without air in your lungs for 30 seconds, a minute, even a minute and a half at this point. You're the alchemist now. You're the one who's doing it, and you're in control. What happens in your body now is a chain of chemical reactions. The brain requires oxygen to function, of course. But the trigger for breathing is an acidic state, which you have eliminated by becoming alkalized through breathing. Nothing wrong is happening in your body, but your primitive reptilian brain doesn't know that. It says, there's no oxygen. And while there is no immediate need for oxygen when your body is in this alkalized state, the primitive brain reacts by activating the adrenal axis and resetting the body to a physiological state in which we have a neurological control and connection with everything inside. That's the way man existed in nature originally, alert, fully present, and just being. When you feel a real urge to breathe again, go ahead, breathe in once, inhaling fully, and then, when your lungs are full, stop again. You are now consciously tapping into the endocrine system and igniting the nervous system, releasing hormones and unblocking energy. Advancing in the technique, you may encounter lights, visions. It's up to you how far you want to go with this because the feelings can be rather intense. But don't hold your breath so long that you pass out. Just breathe in as soon as you feel you have to. Remember to always follow the breath as a guide and not force it. Letting go is the key. What I believe you're doing is influencing your pineal gland, the epiphysis cerebri, known in ancient literature as the third eye or the seat of the soul. The blood flows there and so does electricity. And as the body's electricity activates the hormones in the pineal gland, images and experiences locked deep within your subconscious mind enter your consciousness. Because we are present in this moment with our ego, our awareness, we are suddenly able to access these visions and feelings that are normally locked away from us, and it's beautiful. When we do this exercise as a group, it seems to amplify this effect. The simple act of breathing together creates a bond. Hearing others breathing opens us up to the simple vulnerability of human life. People start to laugh or cry sometimes with no real connection to a particular story, as they access their emotions stored in their bodies. 
the experience can trigger lights or familiar faces, shapes, and images to enter into your consciousness. Strange sensation or ringing in your ears. My belief is that it's like a dream state, the kind that we usually only achieve during the REM cycle, in which dimethyltryptamine, DMT, a powerful psychoactive chemical, is released naturally into the bloodstream. It's a true natural high, and it is at this moment that anxiety and the pain of trauma fall away from your consciousness because you have freed yourself from it by consciously manipulating the biochemistry and electricity in your brain. That is conscious alchemy. That's the way you bring your ego to an egoless state of being, into the gold of your own corona, the uninhibited energy around your head that enables the whole of your being to transcend and become holy, in a sense. That may sound far out to you, but it's true. We are the alchemists, and we are built to be in command of our own soul, light, spirit, and life. That is just one way in. Your way, my way, however we arrive there, we all come to the same thing in the end, which is love, you know? Just breathe and retain your breath in the manner I have described, and the rest will take care of itself naturally. When the breath gets into the brain's electricity, it affects our neurological activity in a profound way. All your brain needs is a little biochemical nourishment. If we provide it with that nourishment with the breath and then follow the natural flow of our inner development, we will find that it leads toward freedom. This is only the beginning of your journey to unlock the unlimited power of your mind. This is just round number one. With further training and practice, you will eventually be able to be at one of the deepest parts of your brain and reap far-reaching benefits for your health and happiness. Our thinking brain is only a way station. At any given moment, our brains are regulating our body with thousands of processes, systems, that we are not consciously tapped into. Consciously influencing the deepest part of your brain or blood flow is a different type of consciousness. You have to train in this. Be still and breathe. That is where the depth is gained. This is the promise, and our challenge is to live up to it. We can live in sensitive connection with our most vulnerable souls and become the enlightened, radiant beings we were meant to be. It all begins with 40 breaths. Now we go and do the breathing sequence once again. Round two. 40 breaths followed by a hold after the last exhalation. And you will notice that you are able to go longer without breathing this time because your body has become even more alkaline. This increased alkalinity also increases the amount of time it takes for your body to build up an acidic state again, which is what triggers the urge to breathe. So during round number two, you will notice you can go a little longer without air in the lungs. When you feel the urge to breathe again, take it all the way in and hold it for 10 to 15 seconds. You may at this time begin to see even more of what's happening within you. And the sensation you will feel is pure bliss. The Hindus call this feeling Satchit Tananda, with Sat meaning energy or truth, Chit meaning intelligence, and Ananda meaning bliss. That's the trinity of our spirit, of our soul's purest expression. The Vedas were written thousands of years ago, but their truth endures. You will experience Satchitananda here in your second round of breathing because it reflects the blood, electricity, and light rushing through you. After this second inhale of 15 seconds or so, it's time for round three. Don't worry too much about how long you can hold your breath. If you are dealing with a lot of inflammation, you may need to breathe sooner. In this way, the breath is like a mirror that shows you the state you are in. Everybody's experience with the breathing is a little bit different. But the universal characteristics are that with each successive round, you feel stronger, lighter, and more at peace. Every round sends more blood and electricity into the brain. Every round reactivates the adrenal axis. And if you do four rounds, as I recommend, you'll be ready for the day because you will have seen the light. More than that, you will have become the light, rebalancing a parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous systems. On top of that, four rounds will ensure that your blood is within the optimum pH range. These factors have many benefits, not only for your physical health, but also spiritually. Achieving that biochemical and hormonal balance increases your energy, boosts your performance, and lowers your stress levels. All after just four rounds of breathing. Wim Hof Method Protocol. 
basic breathing exercise. Before engaging with this technique, remember to be mindful. Listen to your body and learn from the signals your body and mind send you while you are doing the exercises. Use those signals as personal feedback about the effect of the exercises on your body and mind and adjust them as needed to find what works best for you. This protocol is broken out into five steps. Step one, sit in a meditation posture, lying down, or whichever way is most comfortable for you in a quiet and safe environment. Make sure you can expand your lungs freely without any constriction. Step two, close your eyes and try to clear your mind. Be conscious about your breath and try to fully connect with it. Take 30 to 40 deep breaths in through the nose or mouth. Fill up your belly, your chest, all the way up to your head. Don't force the exhale. Just relax and let the air out. Fully in, letting go. Step three, at the end of the last breath, draw the breath in once more and fill the lungs to maximum capacity without using any force. Then relax to let the air out. Hold the breath until you feel the urge to breathe again. This is called the retention phase. Step four, when you feel the urge to breathe, take one deep breath in and hold it for 10 to 15 seconds. This is called the recovery breath. Step five, let your breath go and start with a new round. Fully in, letting go. Repeat the full cycle three to four times. After having completed this breathing exercise, take your time to enjoy the feeling. With repeated practice, this protocol becomes more and more like a meditation. Once you have a little experience with the basic breathing exercise, try this additional technique. In round two, step four, try squeezing the breath to your head when you take your recovery breath. You do this by tensing your pelvic floor and directing that sense of tension to the core of your body and up to your head while keeping the rest of your body relaxed. You should feel a sense of pressure in your head, then relax everything when you exhale. But that's not all this breathing method can do. In January 2014, I led a group of 26 people trained in the method up Tanzania's Mount Kilimanjaro with a goal of reaching the summit in three days. None of these people were experienced alpinists, and some of them suffered from debilitating illnesses and diseases, such as multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, and metastasized cancer. In the interest of avoiding acute mountain sickness, AMS, which can be fatal in extreme cases, most people who attempt to climb the highest mountain on the African continent do so gradually over the course of five days or more. They do this so that their bodies can acclimatize to the increasing altitude on their way to the mountain summit, which is more than 19,000 feet above sea level. To avoid AMS, it is recommended that climbers ascend no more than 1,000 feet per day. But armed with my breathing method and deeply motivated mindset, but little else, including cold weather gear, although we did take some with us as a precaution, we headed off knowing that we would reach our goal. All the physiologists, doctors, and alpine experts I consulted said that what I was trying to do was irresponsible. People were going to get sick, they said. Some might even die. But we went up anyway doing our specific high-altitude breathing technique and reached the summit in just 44 hours. That's 28 hours less than our initial three-day goal. We defied the wisdom of the experts, and when we came back down the mountain, the critics were silent. A year later, we returned to Kilimanjaro and reached the summit in just 36 hours. And the year after that, we did it in just 28 hours. Unbelievable. In a letter to the editor of Wilderness and Environmental Medicine, Doctors Hopman and Boza, who supervised the 2014 expedition, wrote, The group appears to have broken new medical ground, utilizing a new method to largely prevent, and as needed, reverse symptoms of acute mountain sickness. In comparison with previous studies, this report may suggest that acclimatization as well as AMS symptom relief can be safely accelerated. In case of altitude headaches, headaches are the first sign of altitude sickness. A headache indicates that the brain is being deprived of oxygen. 
this exercise fuels your brain with oxygen again and should bring instant relief. Here are the following steps. One, slow down your pace. Two, breathe in fully and relax. Exhale 10 times. Three, stand still or sit. Make sure you are in a secure position. Four, breathe in fully, holding your breath for five seconds and try squeezing or redirecting the breath to your head. Five, let go. Six, repeat these steps until you sense that the headache has disappeared. Breathing exercise while walking at high altitude. Here are the following steps. One, consciously breathe more than you feel you need to. Two, focus on your breath. Feel yourself breathing as you move. Three, synchronize your breath and your pace so you can get into a cadence. Find your own rhythm without forcing it. Resting breathing exercise to adjust to an altitude greater than 13,000 feet. This exercise can help you forestall the potentially dangerous symptoms caused by a low oxygen level in your body that you may encounter if climbing or visiting somewhere where the altitude exceeds 13,000 feet. Please do not rely on this exercise to prevent altitude sickness symptoms without the proper supervision or experience. The best way to safely learn is to participate in one of our expeditions. It is helpful to use a saturation okay, meter to ahead. measure your blood oxygen level when doing this. Um, I actually did the breathing exercise. I, I, I didn't do it really heavy, like full, deep, deep breath. And I was able to get, I think the first, I did three rounds. I was able to do, I think, uh, 40 seconds breath hold after the first round. And then I went to about 50 and then I went just over 60 for the third round. So to be honest, uh, I've tried holding my breath recently and I can do about 30. So these breath, these, uh, the breath exercise that he's talking about actually does, um, it, uh, does make it so that you have enough oxygen and you're oxygenated fully, um, so that you can, uh, you're basically alkaline is what's happening because you're breathing out all your, not all your carbon dioxide, but you're breathing out your carbon dioxide, uh, which is acidic. It's a way of getting rid of acid in the body. And so when you're breathing heavy like that, you're actually offloading the acid and the toxin of the, from your body. Same thing your urine does when you exercise heavy and then you go to the bathroom. Well, you know, that's one way of getting rid of toxins through highly acidic urine. So um, you also get rid of acidity through sweat, apparently, from what I've heard. Um, but yeah, that's basically what's what's going on is you're getting rid of the acidity you're getting um, alkaline from breathing in and assimilating enough oxygen because, yeah, you're breathing out um, carbon dioxide, but you're also breathing enough to where you're getting sufficient carbon dioxide or retaining sufficient carbon dioxide to, to oxygenate your body and get alkaline. Um, but, but the main reason, the main reason you 
um, you get alkaline is because you're offloading carbon dioxide, which is a which is a weak acid, which is actually an acid. So um, it's a little complicated, more than more to it than just breathing, and uh, it's knowing basically what is going on. Oh, uh, but yeah. That's pretty much the gist of it. Uh, in an alkaline state, a lot of things um, get better in the body. Inflammation goes down, and uh, um, it's just good for a lot of organs to function better. I mean, they say that in, in an acidic state, um, your organs tend to not work as well your body tends to not work as well if you're chronically acidic. And a lot of us tend to be that way because we, um, we breathe uh, in such a way where we don't get enough oxygen. And um, yeah, we, end, we tend up getting acidic because we're not getting enough oxygen and we're, um, when we're breathing shallow at least, we're not getting any oxygen and we're, we're barely offloading the carbon dioxide because we're breathing so, like we're basically just sipping air. So, um, so we're building up too much carbon dioxide in the blood, which, in the, in the body essentially, and um, not offloading it. So it builds up as acid, acid uh, in the body and you become acidic. And uh, a lot of organs just don't work well in that environment and so you get disease more likely so i like this because it's he's able to use this breathing method to get your body in theoretically get your body in a state of alkaline like alkaline state versus an acidic state because we're basically offloading we're we're, we're already mostly um, saturated with oxygen in the blood, but it does require a certain amount of carbon dioxide to to offload for the hemoglobin to offload the oxygen to the tissues and the cells of the body. So, but if you're sitting there, um, your your body doesn't need that much oxygen. So, I get it's okay. Uh, to offload a lot of the carbon dioxide that you'd otherwise need to offload the oxygen to the tissues and cells of the body in a, in, a, in a heavy exercise or something. So this is actually doing what it should. It's actually changing, uh, converting you from an acidic state to an uh, alkaline state. And I suppose the more often you can do that, the more often you can get your blood Alkaline state. No, I think they've tested Wim Hof uh, with his blood, and uh, they tested the pH of his blood um, to be more pH after he does these breathing exercises. So I get how that could happen. Um, I understand it. I mean, it takes a little while for it to really sink in, you know. I'm even a little foggy about the whole system and the way it works. I mean, I'm pretty good, but I I don't have it down like like 
like someone who's taught it every day for the last 10 years. You know what I'm saying? So, but it's fascinating stuff. It really is. And uh, the fact that the idea that by breathing uh, in this way, kind of heavy, deep breathing for, you know, 10 rounds of 40 breaths, um, that we could raise our pH in our body is just un it's just unfathomable. Usually the only way you, you raise pH in your body is to eat, to eat better. Um, and to, uh, drink drinks that are less acidic. Uh, in other words, not Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is like the most acidic drink you can drink. You know, it's like 50 times or something more acidic than water, something crazy like that. So, yeah, food typically raises your alkalinity. Um, fruits and vegetables tend to do that more than, of course, meats and potatoes and carbs. Um, but to be able to raise your pH level and get into an alkaline state using breath work alone is pretty awesome. Um, that's why I'm fascinated about the Wim Hof method and breath work in general. Um, I'm still in the process of finishing his book. Uh, I just played for this. I, uh, sorry, <laughs> it's a little late. For this, I played, um, and if you missed, you can go back. Um, I played the, I, the first part. I think it was chapter three. I could be wrong, but I think it was chapter three. Uh, where he talks about cold showers. Let me just double check here if I can do it. Um, yeah, chapter three was, yeah, cold shower a day keeps the doctor away. Um, that's a good thing. Uh, I'm going to start doing that. I've kind of done it in the morning. If I take a late night shower or a later shower, I usually don't do that. Because I'm kind of concerned that I might be a little too cold, but then again, you know, it's not like I'm walking out into, you know, the wilderness on a cold night uh, with no shelter. So I am going to do it, just kind of make a habit of doing it um, from now on and see how I feel. I think he says something about 10 days, and you'll notice a significant difference in the way you feel and stuff. So, um, yeah, there was chapter. That was chapter three, um, and then I played chapter four. <laughs> breathe, my, breathe, motherfucker, <laughs> where he goes over the method two on how to breathe. Um, yeah, to alkalize the body. Pretty cool stuff, guys. Definitely would consider getting this book if I were you. Um, there's another one I recently, I've, I've actually put on the podcast called Super Life by Darren Aline and, uh, a couple others that I've recently been playing is Breathe by, um, Belisa Branich and another one called, uh, The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McCune. So if you're into this stuff, definitely get this book and those three other books, um, 
if you want to get a real good understanding of uh, breath work and uh, especially in super life um, the five life forces uh, which I believe includes hydration um, gosh I'm drawing a blank right now but like there's five life forces in that book that are super essential that you're going to want to uh, read just to, so you kind of have a good idea of the kinds of things that your your body needs to uh, it's like it's like how to maintain like it's like the, the manual you would want how to maintain your body you know the human body it's just a little late oh my god remembering everything I was just wanting to share share this with you guys so uh hope you got something out of that um the Wim Hof method uh, again pick up the book get it if you have a chance and um yeah enjoy it and you guys have a great rest of the night or day wherever it is you are and um, thanks for joining the live program i get this up uh, on the podcast pretty soon and uh, until the next one love you all bye for now